Hello, everyone. This is Trisha Staley, psychotherapist in St. Clair Shores, and this is week four of my podcast for Pandemic Mondays, as I am calling it. This week, I wanted to talk about something that I think is affecting a number of us, um, especially those of us that are in relationships and part of a coupleship, and that being the impact on marriage and um, significant relationships. I am certainly just as guilty of many of these um, do nots as I think anybody else is. Um, Some of them I've learned the hard way and some of them I kind of just knew going into this whole thing. But I'm going to touch on a few um, pointers and, and things to help folks um, continue to navigate this thing with, you know, with folks working from home, um, for folks that have children. I cannot even imagine how much tougher for you this is. I, I can only imagine. And also talk about why this can be so destructive and why these tips that I'm going to offer are, are so important. So I want to start off by saying that for those of you that have children, again, I cannot even imagine the the double level of stress that, that this is causing on your household. You know, being forced to have children at home, being homeschooled, trying to keep up on your own work, trying to oversee what they are doing, you know, trying trying to maintain some sense of normalcy and structure. I I, my hat's off to you, absolutely, hands down. I, I cannot even imagine um, how, how difficult that must be. I know it's, it's been challenging enough for me and my husband, and, and we do not have any, well, we do not have any human children, at least. We do have two, two cats. Um, so first of all, my um, asterisk acknowledgement to, to those of you that have kids at home or, and kids that, that maybe were forced to come home as well. Perhaps college students, you know, that, that had to take their studies online and, you know, getting used to um, once again having them, you know, uh, around the house when maybe you were an empty nester prior to this whole thing. Um, you truly, truly have my acknowledgement and um, my praise because I, I cannot even begin to fathom how difficult, extra difficult that, that must be for, for those families out there that are dealing with us. But I want to zero in particularly on couples today. And, and the reason for that is even if you do have children, I think that I've always believed that a healthy relationship, a healthy marriage is you know, the, the leaders of the pack, so to speak, are the mother and father, are the couple. They are the ones that set the precedence for, you know, how everybody is treated within the household structure. And so I think it goes without saying that, um, you know, observing how couples treat each other, kids definitely pick up on this in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. So that is why the purpose of today's talk is just going to be um, about couples in general. The first thing that I want to say is this is not the time to be negative and critical towards your partner. Truthfully, 
it is never <laughs> the the a good time to be critical um with your partner. It is never a good time to cut them down. It is never a good time to make derogatory remarks. It is never a good time to be uncaring, but particularly now um, because we are all so stressed out, we don't even really begin to know what is going on inside our partner's brains. We are not mind readers, contrary to what a lot of people think, and we, we can't assume that they are not feeling the burden of this, this whole pandemic. So just don't be critical. Don't do it. Don't don't nitpick about about stupid things. I learned the hard way. I'm just going to throw myself under the bus here and and tell you give you a personal example. I I have had an issue with my husband um over the years about not turning lights off in the house and I learned very early on that this was not the time to nitpick about shutting the lights off in the house. And I had to take a step back and really realize that, you know, by doing that, it's not helping anything. It's it's never helping anything, you know, so shame on me for doing that. Thankfully, I was able to realize where that was coming from, that that is a total childhood wound for me that comes from growing up in a household where I was screamed at to shut the lights off. Um, and, and I, I realized where it came from and, and I think I've been pretty good. I think I've been a lot better, you know, since, the, since that happened many, many weeks ago now. And, you know, just realizing that it's not the time it does no good. It absolutely does no good. So conversely, what I want to encourage couples to do, what I want to encourage husbands, wives to do is, is instead of being critical, be complimentary, be grateful, be thankful, I say I, I would aim to say thank you to your partner at least for three things each and every day. And, you know, there, there might be some days where you actually thank them for the exact same thing um, those, those three times every day. You know, it can be as simple as thank you for taking the garbage out. Thank you for, um, you know, straightening up the closet. Thank you for grabbing my coffee for me. Thank you for going, you know, uh, masking up, gloving up and going out to the grocery store. Thank you for doing all that. Okay. Those are things that we, we truthfully should do all the time, but man, is it important now more than ever. Why? Because we are dealing with something that is so global scale and it is so big that it's the simple things it's the it's the small things that we're grateful to each other for that really can carry us through and make a big difference. Second, seek to understand versus being understood. And basically what I mean by this is listen. You know, not the time right now. Again, never really the time to be defensive with your partner, you know, um, tell them how they should feel about the pandemic and, you know, criticize them for their thoughts, their feelings. Even if you don't agree with it, chances are pretty good you're not going to agree with your spouse on everything associated with this pandemic. You know, chances you're two different people. You come from two different worlds. You come from two different backgrounds. You know, you knew that when you merged your household into one. And so it's just not the time. Exhibit empathy, you know, and, and, you know, if you're struggling for words, if you're struggling to, you know, 
understand where your partner is coming from, you know, a, a very simple validating statement like, wow, it just sounds like you're really going through a hard time right now goes a long, long way. Trust me. It can mean the difference between you being escalated on a scale of one to 10, being a 10 plus, you know, in terms of the, the stressful emotions and feelings that you're experiencing to literally taking you down to a one or a two. That's huge. Three, my third point, don't argue, kind of piggybacking off of my last um, statement about seeking to understand versus being understood, don't argue about how to feel about the pandemic. I I confess that's one that I have been a, a little guilty of along the way. I'm working on it. I encourage everybody to work on this one because, again, the two of you are not going to agree. Trust me, you are not going to agree 100%. You know, I cannot tell you how many of my clients during the course of these last eight, nine weeks have said to me, you know, Trisha, uh, I'm really concerned about my husband, for example, because he won't wear a mask when he goes out because he doesn't think that he needs to wear a mask because he actually thinks he might have had the virus months ago. Or conversely, I've had men say to me, my wife just thinks this is no big deal. She thinks if she's going to get it, she's going to get it, you know. And listen, I'm not saying that I agree with that myself, but it really is not the time to, to bicker about that. You know, if, if nothing else, if you're struggling you know, just simply say to your partner, you know, it sounds like it sounds like that's, you know, what you feel and, and that's okay to feel the way that you do. I don't agree, but that's okay too. You know, a simple validating response like that. Fourth, and this one is really important. I'm going to put a, uh, uh, if you can just kind of visualize this, I'm going to put a heavy asterisk next to this. This one is absolutely crucial during normal times, but now it is almost, I would say, mandatory, and that is that you need time apart, period. And I am not talking about that the two of you converse on Skype or you converse on the phone or whatever the case may be. You need physical distance from each other. You need at least, at minimum, a half an hour a day apart from each other physically. I cannot emphasize that one enough. And I know that that can be tricky. I know that that can be very challenging when, when we are all still sheltering in place, when so many of us are working from home. But you can schedule it. Believe me, it is doable. Most of us, I'm certainly not saying all, have basements in our homes. Even folks that are in apartments usually have a couple of different rooms. If you have to put a curtain up to make sure that you get distance from each other, please do it. Because what I am finding, I am seeing this a lot, is that people are being forced into these close-quartered circumstances and feeling like, oh, well, we just can't escape each other. You know what I mean? We're in the same dwelling. Well, that's true. But most rooms, most apartments, most condos, most homes are equipped with multiple rooms. You can get away from each other. You know, this entire time, our governor has, you know, encouraged outdoor activity. 
you know, I, my husband and I have been pretty good about, even on the weekends when he's not working and I work on Saturdays, as many know, he'll get out of the house. I mean, not only to get out of the house so that he can, you know, assure that I'm maintaining confidentiality with my clients, clients, but even if that wasn't a barrier, he still would get out of the house because we need a break from each other. Okay. And, and I promise everybody out there that this doesn't mean that your relationship is in jeopardy. It actually is one of the healthiest things that you could do, especially now. Absence does, in fact, make the heart grow fonder. You know, if, if you're feeling edgy, you're just feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't stand the way that he's brushing his teeth. I can't stand the way that she is combing her hair. I can't stand to watch her do her nails or whatever the case may be. That could be a huge red flag sign. It's time to take some distance from each other. Talk about it. It's absolutely okay. The healthiest relationships, I tell my clients this all the time, are those in which two people can completely be apart from each other, but they still choose to be together. And that's a little thing called interdependency. It means I've got my life, you've got your life, and we also have this joint life together. So please schedule that time apart each and every day, even if it's only a half an hour. You will be so, so happy that you did. It really does make a difference. Now, conversely, I would also say that when you are spending time together, you know, when you can, whenever it's convenient, when the kids are in bed, you know, whatever, please carve out that time for intimacy you know, it is a release, if nothing else. It's it's an emotional connector. You know, without it, we can get quite stressed and we're already under enough stress, right? Um, so, you know, I know that for some people this may sound a little bit unspontaneous and, and corny, but I say this even during normal times, you know, if, if you have to schedule time for sex, you have to schedule time for sex. Put it on your calendar, leave little notes, you know, little reminders, okay? At least then you know that you're making it a priority and your partner will thank you. It is a release. It is a tension reducer. We know that. Science has proven that time and time again. And man, we all can use, we can use that these days for sure. Um, next, I will say that carrying a schedule is important. And I, through this whole thing, I, I have said that I, I think it's important to plan, but always allow a little bit of wiggle room, plan for things to change. And, and that really goes for this time even more so. I think carrying a schedule is a wonderful thing, but I think that we also have to allow for some variation along the way. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just give me as an example. I have always kept a five day a week workout schedule. And for the longest time, that schedule was Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. I rapidly discovered when this whole thing started rolling along that, that Thursdays were not going to work for me anymore. I was going to have to schedule earlier clients and so I had to flip the I had to flip that day around. And, you know, it it kind of it wrecked a little havoc on my body for a couple of weeks because my my body just wasn't used to having that that gap in between those two days. But it has adjusted. 
Um, I had to roll with it. I wasn't real happy about it, but I, I did have to roll with it. And, and now I've, I've gotten accustomed to the schedule um, with that minor adjustment. So we have, to, we have to allow for these variations. We can't get so stringent in our scheduling and, and how things used to be that we don't open it up for, you know, for room for change. So, you know, that goes for like your, your family time. You know, if, if, you know, before this all happened, the kids were, you know, flocking off to, you know, various activities on the outside, you know, obviously that's not happening anymore. You know, maybe we need to get a little bit creative. We need to come up with some family time for board games. You know, we need to maybe allow them a little bit more time on the video games or or the computer or, or you know, Netflix or whatever the case may be, because I think, you know, there, there's these gaps of time that I'm finding with people that have had to be altered and people are fighting that change. You know, they, they, it's like they want their schedule to remain the same. And, and the reality is, is, is that you just can't do that. So try to maintain as much structure as possible, but definitely, excuse me, definitely allow those variances for change. And finally, I, I want to mention what I feel are two of the most important issues to be mindful of in navigating relationships while at home, dealing with this pandemic. And that is more than ever, we need to respect each other's boundaries. And we need to ask for what we need and what we want specifically. Cannot emphasize that one enough. So let me just kind of illustrate this a little bit. Because everybody is in the house at the same time now, Boundary crossing is something that is going to be doubly challenging, is doubly challenging. You know, we are in close quarters. It's very hard to determine, oh my gosh, is my wife working in that office? You know what I mean? The door is cracked. Not sure if she is or she isn't. Well, you need to inquire about that. I confess that early on, once again, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. My husband um, was, at, going back several weeks ago, he, he was actually working in one of the rooms of our home. And I, I'm so used to walking in that room or any room in the house, particularly on Mondays, which is one of my days off, and just you know, doing my thing, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm vacuuming or looking for something or whatever. I was so not used to him being there that I find I just walk in there and, oh, there he is. And I'm just going to talk to him about whatever. Oh, hey, I'm going out to plant flowers. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to go watch a television show or, or whatever the case may be until I realized, oh my gosh, Trisha, he's working. Like I, I was crossing boundaries, not even realizing it because it's in the confines of my own home. And so, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry to him for that. I, I did realize later that that was not okay. Um, and, you know, j just kind of a, a message to everyone, do a check-in. You know, if your partner is working at home, Ask them, you know, when your door is cracked like that, is that, does that mean that I can enter in? Do I need to knock? Do I need to, you know, should I text you and ask you if it's okay? You know, does that even mean you're working necessarily? Okay. Um, 
And then on the flip side, if you're the the partner that is having, you know, or, or feels like a boundary line is, is being crossed in that regard, you need to specifically ask for what you need. It, it can't be something like vague and global, like you never check with me to see if I'm working in the home office. You never respect the fact that I'm trying to work. It, it has to be something like this, like a request. Honey, I know that we're home and I know this is a difficult time, but could you please shoot me a text message before you assume that I'm not working in the office because the door is cracked? Or could you knock on the door? Make it specific, okay? Trust me, your partner will thank you. And what will start to happen is that your boundary will be respected and it will not be crossed. So... Those are, just to wrap this up, um, some very important tips that I have learned, unfortunately, some the hard way myself, um, and, and others that I think are really just common sense. And I felt like I probably should have done this podcast earlier on, but then again, I'm almost glad that I pushed this one to a later time frame with this whole thing. Because these are things that really should be adhered to always, as I said earlier. The, the, these, are, these are normal and normal times. And so if you can start to get a grasp on these more now, going forward, when things, let us keep our fingers crossed, eventually return to normal, it's going to make that process even easier. I thank you for your time and attention and for listening to this podcast today. And I will be back next Monday with week five of my Pandemic Monday podcast. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. This is Trisha Staley, and I am a psychotherapist under normal circumstances. I own and operate a clinical private practice in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. And what I want to talk about today in a relatively short podcast is the concept of boredom that I am hearing so much about in the face of this current pandemic and state of the world. I am hearing from folks of all ages, I am so bored. And I thought, well, you know, there's plenty to watch on television. This was my thinking at first. There's plenty to watch on television. There are lots of video games. There are, you know, truly we, we have a lot of modern conveniences to keep our minds and ourselves occupied. And so I, I couldn't quite at first grapple with this concept of why everybody was so bored. So recently I decided to take a further look into it and I literally looked up the definition of boredom in the Merriam-Webster's dictionary and this is what it said. Boredom is the state of being weary and restless through lack of interest and I'll expound on this further to say it's having a lack of autonomy, feeling trapped, and having a lack of control. And if you think about the current state of our world 
and everything that we've been going through for the past three months now, it, it really makes a lot of sense. Boredom doesn't necessarily mean laziness. Being in a state of boredom simply means that you are feeling trapped in a state of constant repetitiveness to the point where you grow tired, you grow, grow restless, and you have lack of interest and motivation in things that perhaps normally would be interesting and inspiring to you. I have often likened over the past three months this state of being that we're all in to Groundhog Day, if anybody has seen the movie. It seems fitting. For those that have not seen the movie, this classic movie that Bill Murray was in and Andy McDowell, Bill Murray's character finds himself trapped in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, living the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over and over again. And as the days go by, you see his frustration mounting as the alarm clock goes off at whatever time it is in the morning um, to Sonny and Cher's rendition of I've Got You, Babe. And that's what this has started to feel like. It has started to feel as though we are in a constant state of Groundhog Day. So no wonder that I am hearing folks of all ages say, Trisha, I'm bored. I am so bored, I'm about to rip my hair out. What they really mean is, I am restless. I'm feeling trapped in these, in these walls that I'm in. You know, it's just the same thing over and over again. How many walks with one's dog, for example, can you take? You know, I, I saw the cutest little cartoon um, a couple of months ago. It was, it was a dog that was like laying down as if it was like just you know, splatted on all fours and just exhausted. And it said, please, for the love of God, don't take me for another walk. <laughs> and, and I think that that's, that's very true. You know, I, I, even in my own neighborhood, I, I see folks walking the same dog over and over and over, sometimes multiple times a day. Many of these folks are struggling with finding creative ways of getting out of this slump. And what normally was a passion, a hobby, an interest, something that they thoroughly enjoyed is no longer it because they've done it over and over and over again. Just like the example I gave with walking the dog. How many, how many walks can you take with your dog? And then conversely, what do you do when it's raining or you know the weather is, is just not conducive to be able to do that? And so we get into the state of helplessness, we feel very out of control, and we feel as though we don't know how to get out of it. We feel like we're in quicksand, like we're just sinking. And the problem with this is that if one stays in a state of boredom for too long, it can lead to very negative things, negative coping skills, and, and really bad situations that can make one's current situation even worse. And, and some of those examples include alcoholism, gambling, um, drug addiction, eating disorders. I, I could go on and on with this one. 
Boredom is the biggest trigger identified by folks to negative behaviors. Ask anybody, you know, what is your biggest trigger if, if they're engaging in, in one of those, those addictions that I just mentioned? They're going to tell you likely, not always, but likely they're going to say, boredom, nothing to do, lack of motivation, struggles with focus, struggles with feeling trapped in whatever situation I'm in or situations I'm in. And so how do we get out of this? How do we get out of this state of boredom and restlessness and being triggered into doing bad things that we really don't want to be doing? I think it's a twofold approach. The first part of the approach is following what I call the A leads to B leads to C formula, which goes something like this. If I A start, I'm just using this as a hypothetical example, smoking marijuana to deal with my boredom, it could lead to B, I start smoking marijuana on a much regular basis, which could lead to C, I am not doing anything else but smoking marijuana, okay? Then, conversely, plugging that in with something more positive, like if I, A, go for a long walk, maybe in a park that I've never been to, it will lead to B, I've had a new experience and I feel good about that, which could lead to C, you know, I'm feeling better, I feel healthier, I feel happier, I got some fresh air. I think that's the first part of it. The second part of this approach, in my opinion, is getting creative. All of the hobbies and the interests and perhaps things that inspired you pre-pandemic may not necessarily do it anymore. You know, if walking the dog was your leisure time behavior, for example, going back to my, my prior um, example of walking dogs, you know, you're, it's only going to be a matter of time before you start to get a little bored and restless doing that. And so one of the things that I've commonly advised folks to do over the years um, is what I call a rainy day activity char. And... What I mean is literally just sitting down and just writing down anything and everything that you can conceivably think of, each item, so to speak, on a piece of paper, wadding it up and putting it in some kind of jar or bowl. It can be things like learning a new language. It can be things like, um, you know, working on a painting, um, things like learning how to cook a, a certain dish, learning how to cook certain cuisine, um, taking an online class, um, you know, so, something that perhaps is offered for free. There's tons of those, by the way, that are offered right now. Um, you know, painting a, a shelf that I've been wanting to get at for, for weeks, um, planning my next garden. I could go on and on with this. And if you need any help with it, you can, you can just literally Google how to find a new hobby, a new interest, and just go to town and just write everything you can conceivably think of, each item, like I said, on a little piece of paper, wad it up, throw it in a jar, a bowl, a dish, whatever you got, okay? Close the lid. And when you are struggling to find something 
to do and you're in that state of boredom and restlessness and feeling trapped, pull something out of the jar, okay? Now, if it's an outdoor activity, I do have to put this little precursor on it. If it's an outdoor activity, um, you know, obviously, if it's raining, that's not going to happen. So you're going to want to put that one right back in the jar and then pull out another one, okay? Now, I'm not going to tell you that this is going to work every time, but it's at least a very good way to get started. And who knows? You may find some new interests, some new hobbies, you know, in the meantime. Here's the thing. You may not either. You may find that some of the things just don't fit you, okay? You know, maybe learning how to cook a particular cuisine, you find this is not really up my alley. But, you know, working on some kind of craft is, and, and you find a new passion, you find a new interest. This is how we do it. This is how we've been doing it for centuries. Um, so that's that's how I feel one can cure that sense of boredom. Now, is it going to completely take you out of this, um, you know, perceived lack of controlled space and, and all of that? Not completely, but at the very least, it will kill some time, okay? And you just might find that in the process, you have found, you know, some new passions and some new interests to pursue. So, that's my little talk today on Monday, June 1st, my podcast of the day during the pandemic of dealing with boredom. And thank you very much. And I hope everyone has a wonderful week.